What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, do now help us as we seek to rejoice in the Lord, to celebrate your victory over the destroyer, in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, now, okay, so Purim's important. What is Purim? That's the question. What is Purim? Is Purim only a holiday for the Jewish people? Is it just a Jewish custom? Is it just something that's part of Jewish heritage? Or is Purim important for the world? Purim is important for the world. Purim's important for Eskimo people. (laughs) and Samoan people, and Tanzanian people, all peoples. Why? Why is it important for all people of the world? Because go in the beginning, great title, isn't it, for a book? In the beginning, in the beginning, God had a desire. He wanted to make a very, very special creation that was not going to be like any other creation he ever made to serve God, because this creation was going to be in the image of God. And that special creation, of course, is man. And that's what he said in Genesis 1.26 when God put it this way. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created him male and female, created he them. Very important emphasis in the image of God. But man ruined it all. He ruined it all because he listened to God's archenemy, Satan. And man sinned against God. And as a result, from that point on, man put his own feet right down the middle of the road that ended in hell in a rebellious alienation from God. And, but God said, but this happened in Genesis 3.6. This was the tragedy when it said that the woman saw the tree that was good for food, that God told them, don't eat it. And she saw it was pleasant to the eyes. And God said, don't eat it. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. And God said, don't eat it. And she took the fruit thereof and did eat 
and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. That was the tragedy, and that was how man ruined it all. But God stepped in with a rescue plan, a rescue plan. He's gonna recover man from his rebellion against God. He's gonna, from his destiny of hell. And so God immediately reveals this plan in Genesis 3.15, right away. God says, God says, I will put an enmity, an enmity between Satan, as symbolized in the serpent there, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God's plan was that God would become a man. And Eve understood this, because that happened, as I mentioned, in Genesis 3. And then the first verse in Genesis 4, Genesis 4.1, when she has her first child, who was Cain, she says clearly, she says clearly, I have gotten a man who is the Lord. Et Adonai, et Adonai, who is the Lord. Your translations won't have that unless you have a Luther Bible in German. He got it right. But that she understood that God was gonna become a man. And she thought, I got him, I got him right here, it's Cain. She was just a little off on that one. She didn't know that part. But anyway, that was God's plan, which she understood he would become a man and he would destroy Satan and he would die for man's sins. So time goes on from that point on and then it becomes that God starts a people, a Jewish people, and he reveals he's gonna come through a Jewish people. And in fact, God makes it clear, God is be, gonna become a Jewish man. And he tells Abraham that in Genesis 12:1, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God's plan was to open the door for anyone in the world Eskimo, Samoan, Tanzanian, anyone in the world could be saved from their sins. How? By God's plan to become a Jewish man. God would become a Jewish man, Jesus, who would destroy Satan and die for man's sin. Now, Satan knew that. Satan knew that God's plan was to become a Jewish man who would destroy Satan and so Satan's plan was to, well, okay, then I'll destroy the Jewish people to prevent God from becoming a Jewish man who's gonna destroy me. That's Satan's thinking, that's his logic. And so down through the ages, there were so many plots to destroy the Jewish people. It's unbelievable that they survived. But God did not allow the Jewish people to be destroyed. And that's the reason why there's been so much anti-Semitism. Brent just told you at San Diego State, it's the number six college campus for anti-Semitism on U.S. soil. What? Yes, because this is the pattern down through the ages. One thing after another, the plans of anti-Semitism, the so-called final solution. So as believers, we rejoice in how God saved the Jewish people from destruction so that God could become a Jewish man who would be the savior of the world. And there's gotta be a time of the year, and there's gotta be a place, there's gotta be a time when we celebrate God's victory of saving the people, and it's a special holiday, and this is the time. It's Purim, it's today, it's the 14th of Adar. Now you knew that this morning, didn't you? You woke up this morning and you said, you said, hey, it's the 14th of Adar, I've been watching on my calendar, right? <laughs> well, that's today, that's today. And if you forgot, let's say for example, you know, you gotta remember Adar, that's the last month. You gotta remember Adar, so 
how do you remember Adar? It's very, very, not so easy to remember Adar, right? So God made a special animal to always, you could go ask this animal, and this animal will always tell you what month is Purim. Did you know that? So that animal is a turkey. See? So you go to any turkey, and you yell at that turkey, what month is Purim? And the turkey will respond, Adar, 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 Adar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I try to get serious now. All right, so <laughs> All right. So Purim, Purim is a celebration of how God saved the people and that he was going to come as, as a Jewish man to defeat the to defeat the devil and and save man from his sins. So for us now to celebrate Purim, I'm going to do what you're supposed to do on the holiday of Purim, which has actually already been done a little bit with Eric when he did you tell the whole, the whole story in the book of Esther. I don't like to call it a story. You tell the history. You tell the history in the book of story. It's called the Megillah, okay? They made a TV program out of it called Megilligan's Island. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so see, it's the 13th day, the day before. The 13th day of Adar is the really important day also because that was the day that was scheduled for the Jewish people to be destroyed, executed all on one day. And the 14th day, the day afterward, is the day when they celebrated it, and that's the day this. So the book of Esther, the book of Esther is the only book in the Bible where the word God does not appear. It's amazing. And that makes the book of Esther, let me put it this way, even though the name of God doesn't appear in the book of Esther, the hand of God is all throughout the book. And that's what makes the book of Esther a game. The book of Esther is a game, and the game is, in the book of Esther, who can see what God did? Who can see God? Now, so now, you've got a celebration whistle, and I know you do, and you've been practicing, and that's good, and I'm glad you're refraining right now. <laughs> Let me hear you. All right, good, good, good. Okay, very good. Every time you hear the name of God, not Esther, otherwise it would be too much, not Mordecai, but God. Every time you hear the name of God, that's it. So you go, okay, very good, very good. Okay, now you've got two hands. So you've got one hand with the whistle, and then the other hand, you've got the grogger. I don't know. I think if you're right-handed, this is going to be more challenging. Then. Anyway, so you have it good. Okay, so. All right, very good. Okay, you are good groggers. You're all going to be grogger certified. Okay, so <laughs> now every time you hear the name Haman, there you go. Okay, there was a man who hated the Jews and his name was Haman. That's it. It's gonna be a little challenging. Yeah, you say boo too, that's good. All right, now, but then you listen as I tell you and as you hear the name of God, then you go... Uh, hooray for God, okay. Okay, all right, all right, you got it there. Okay, okay, very good, I'm very happy. All right, so now, just briefly, just briefly, the book of Esther is a history. It's a history of how Esther, a Jewish woman, became queen and how Mordecai rose to this position, this very high position in Persia and how Haman, ooh, and Amalekite, was able to get an order from the king Ahasuerus to murder all the Jews on one day. The book of Esther is an 
excellent, it's a wonderful explanation of how careful God was with the Yeah, good. It's gonna be a great night, I can tell you. How careful he was. <laughs> in the details, in the details with a counterplot. You have to read between the lines a little bit here, okay? Because, um, you know, I'm gonna, anyway. The counterplot to save the Jewish people. So the book, of, the, Esther, the book of Esther, it's really an illustration of what David said, King David said in Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, 12, King David put it this way. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. God, hooray, shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. That's what the book of Esther is all about. Okay, now, let's go. In the first chapter here, we have here, the first 10 verses of the first chapter, we are introduced to this character, this person, King Ahasuerus. It's very interesting about him. We're told that he has a kingdom which is maybe larger than the Roman Empire. It stretches all the way from Ethiopia all the way through uh, India. Very, very large. And he had a great palace in Persia called Shushan, Shushan the palace. Now, we're told that King Ahasuerus was a very proud man. And in the third year of his reign, he made this great banquet, this great feast that lasted not for a day, not for a week, not for a month, for half a year. All right? Half a year. They won't even give you a free pass to soup plantation for half a year. But that was a half a year. And the only purpose of this feast was that he, so he could brag, so he could boast, so he could show everybody his great riches and how great his kingdom was. That's the sole purpose. So everyone who came to the feast there, King Ahasuerus' feast, they had to listen for not just a day, not just a week, but a half a year. It's a really long boasting feast is what it is. So the great feast is done, and then the King Ahasuerus has a second feast of seven days for just the people in the palace. You know, those are for all the help, you know, that was serving everybody during that half a year. So now they get to, they get to have their own party, okay? So meanwhile, the king's wife, whose name was Vashti, she had her own feast for the women in the palace. And one day, the king was drunk, and he called for her to do something unbelievable. He called for her to immorally show off her beautiful body in front of the men. So Vashti refused. She said, no, I'm not doing it. She refused to come. And that's how God opened the door. Hooray for God. Right. That's how he opened the door for Esther to become queen. Okay? But what the king asked Vashti to do was very sinful. It was very dirty. But that's what opened the door for Esther to become queen. Isn't that amazing? To see how God, yes, how God used the sinful desires of the king to save the Jews, hooray. Okay, so because Vashti refused to obey the drunk king and come into the men's feast and show off her beauty, the king was very angry. So the king asked his advisors, what are we gonna do? What should we do? And the advisors said, king, this is not just a problem for you. This is a problem for every man in this kingdom who are gonna copy Vashti. And when the man says, you know, you know bring me something to drink, then the women are gonna say, get it yourself. 
<laughs> so he said, this is a very serious problem. So the king agrees with them that Vashti should be removed as queen, which she was. That's how chapter one ends. Now, chapter two opens with King Ahasuerus feeling lonely. He's feeling lonely. He's missing Vashti. Feels very bad. So the king's servants there, they notice the king's kind of droopy. He's droopy because he misses his wife, Vashti. So God used the feelings. Hooray for God. He used the feelings of loneliness to open the door for Esther to be queen. Hooray. Okay, so the king's servants advise the king, you got to get a new wife. You got to get a new queen. And now the king, he has plenty of concubines in his palace. He could have just chosen one of them to make king. But the king's servants advise the king, you need a new model. You need a young model. Don't take any of the concubines as a queen. But instead, let's go out and gather together the most beautiful young virgins in all the kingdom and bring them here together for you to choose who's going to be the new queen. I mean, when the in-house concubines were passed over and the decision was made to look for a queen outside the palace, what was that? That was God, hooray for God, uh, opening the door for Esther to become the new queen. Hooray for God. You know, you know what's great about this message? No one's going to fall asleep. <laughs> I don't see anybody dozing off. We got to do this every Sunday, right? <laughs> now, there was a certain Jewish man. There was a certain Jewish man whose name was Mordecai. He was carried away as a captive in the Babylonian captivity, and he just happened to end up living in the palace. Who caused Mordecai to happen to end up living in the palace? God did. Hooray for God. Okay, but Mordecai had an uncle, and the uncle had a daughter named Esther. She was an orphan. She was an orphan, so sad. And so Mordecai says, you come into my house. You're going to be my daughter. Not even like a daughter. You're going to be my daughter. He treated her that way. And Esther was very beautiful. She had very beautiful looks. I think I may have told you that I stayed with my Israeli friend in Jerusalem one time, and I, you know, his daughter was off, and so you know, I got to stay in her room, and so I went into the bathroom, and she had taken lipstick and wrote on the, on the mirror, drop dead gorgeous, you know? So anyway, <laughs> the Esther was drop dead gorgeous. She was very beautiful in looks, but also she was very beautiful in character. She had an inner beauty that was so attractive, it made everybody love her. So when the servants of the king came through, they swept up Esther as part of the group of the most beautiful young virgins there for the king to choose to who's going to become queen. And for one year, the king's servants used perfumes to make her smell nice. So when she goes and meets the king, she should smell so good. They soak her in all these perfumes, I don't know. So... Anyway, poor Esther. All right, so, but Esther was so humble and she was so beautiful that everybody in the palace just loved Esther. And the king also, when he saw her, he loved Esther more than all the other beautiful women. So the king made Esther queen. And to celebrate, the king chose Esther to be the new queen. That's a celebration. The king makes another great feast. This man loves to eat. He makes another great feast, and then he sends gifts to everybody. He releases prisoners, and Mordecai told Esther, don't you tell anyone that you're Jewish. 
Don't tell anyone that you're Jewish. And one day, Mordecai heard two of the king's servants plotting to kill the king. He heard that. You know, people didn't have access to the king, but these two did. And so they were plotting to kill the king. So Mordecai told Esther, who then told the king and certified it in Mordecai's name, and the king checked it out, and and it was true. And so he killed those two servants. So the king's life was saved by Mordecai. Who caused Mordecai to overhear those two servants? Not yet. (laughs) Who caused them to hear and planning to kill the king? God did. Hooray for God. That's it. That's it. All right. That's also the end of chapter two. All right. Now, chapter three opens with a new character. A new character. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything. All of a sudden, he's just, he's there, and he's immediately promoted to be over all the princes, and his name is Haman. Boo. Boo. The Amalekite. And all the king's servants now bow down and honor Haman. Boom, Haman. Okay. But, but, Mordecai says no. Mordecai refuses to bow. He refuses to give honor to Haman because he said, I'm a Jew. Mordecai was a Jew, so he wasn't gonna do it. So when Haman found out that Mordecai wouldn't bow to him, Haman decided to kill not only Mordecai, but to kill all his people, to kill all the Jews in the kingdom. And Haman decided, I gotta choose a day. I gotta choose a day when they're all gonna die. And so in order to do that, Haman cast Purim. Purim. Now, Eric told you Purim is a Hebrew word. Actually, it's a Persian word. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter because this is happening in Persia. And it means pur. Pur means lot. Purim means lots. So I don't know how this worked with the Purim. I don't know. Nobody seems to know, you know, how this really happened, but somehow he could use it to choose the month. He could use it to choose the date. I don't know. Maybe he had two buckets and, you know, and he reaches in and grabs one. Oh, the month is. Oh, the day is. I don't know. But whatever he did, he did it. And so when he cast these Purim, the month came out Adar, and the day came out 13th. So he said, well, that's going to be it. It's going to be the 13th day of Adar. All right? Maybe that's why 13 is an unlucky number. I don't know. Anyway. But that's how it happened. And so he decides that. And so then Haman went to the king of Hashuerus and told him that all the Jews were very different and they were not keeping the king's customs. They're rebellious. They need to wipe them all out. They need to kill them. And he was going to pay 10,000 talents of silver for the job to get done to pay for the execution of all the Jews. Can you imagine? On one day. Not a Hitler many, many days, but on one day. And the king agreed with Haman. And the king, yeah, bad. Yeah. And he gave, gave Haman his ring of authority. And with the ring of authority, Haman, ooh, he made a law that on the 13th day of Adar, all the Jews were to be killed. The government officials should all get together on the 13th day of Adar and wipe them all out on one day. 
And so the couriers ran throughout this vast, massive kingdom from Ethiopia to India and telling everybody, here's the new law. It can't be changed. It's the 13th day of Adar. That's the last day that any Jewish person's going to live on earth. That's a very dark and sad ending to chapter 3. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.